Sunday school teacher. I said, oh, quite a lot of hands. You know, being a Sunday school teacher is much harder than this job. It's true. Okay, I work, you, you're lovely. You're, you're really nice. You're really kind. You're generous. Children, no. <laughs> They're not. They, they get halfway through. Yes, what is it? Steve, are you going to go on anymore because it's really boring? <laughs> you get that? They ask you questions that you're not quite prepared for. They ask you things like, I had one. This is, this is a true story from our Sunday school. I've been teaching about loving your enemies. Little kid puts his hand up. I went, yes. He went, do I need to love all my enemies? I went, yes. All of them. Yes. What about the devil? <laughs> Don't love the devil. <laughs> That's what I have to work with. You, you guys are great. You know what I mean? So we're in this middle of the series called Two Plus One. It's a series about Paul and his influence over the people who worked with him. Remember the first week we had Paul and Ananias, which is a fantastic story. Ananias gets a word from God saying, I want you to go and pray for this guy called Saul. He, he, he's been chosen by me. And Ananias is sitting going, I've heard that name, Saul. We ever heard that? Oh, he's the one killing us. From a voice in his head, he's been told to go. Would you do that? Go to your enemy because you feel that God's asked you to do something. What a man he was. But the words that were, were, were given to, to, to Ananias for God, he is my chosen instrument. I'm going to take him to tell the Gentile world, all the people who aren't Jews, I want him to tell the world about me. And he will suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and he prayed. You know, the disciples did not trust, did not trust Paul whatsoever. When he went down to Jerusalem, everyone's like, he said he's changed, but I ain't going anywhere near him. And eventually, he ended up going to Tarsus, where he stayed for 12 years, waiting for this call of God. And then last week, we heard about Barnabas, the encourager, who was then uh, sent to Antioch. And on the way, he decides, I need someone to help me. I'll go and get that guy, Paul, and I'll help him for his ministry. And he does. He picks uh, Paul up and he goes to, to Antioch. They encourage the Christians. They come down and, and the church and the Holy Spirit sends them out in this adventure and they go to Cyprus. What an adventure. You ever wondered how God works? You, you ever sat and said to yourself, I can't do that. You know I mean, God wouldn't ask me to do that. Someone else, you know I mean, someone trained, someone better than me. That isn't how God works. God works the complete opposite way. So if you're sitting there going, he couldn't use me, he's the, you're the exact person that he wants to use. Oh, I'm not clever enough. Exactly. You're the person he wants to use. Oh, I'm not religious enough. Exactly. You're the person he wants to use. He takes things and he turns this world upside down. So when Jesus came, he goes, okay, I need some, I need some disciples. Who will I go for? Most rabbis would go for the best of the best of the best. They, they, they get rid of all the, no, you're too, you're too silly. You're, you're too stupid. You're, you're, you're not religious enough. You know, and, he sorts, and he goes for the best person. When Jesus comes, he does the opposite. He goes, right, I'll get some young guys. 
And he picks his disciples mainly from about the age 13, 14, 15. We all have these pictures where they're all old men. They, weren't, they were teenagers. And he gathers these guys in. And you can see them all arguing, well, who's going to be the greatest? You know what I mean? You're thinking, surely Jesus must be going, right, I'll get rid of this lot and get a more mature crowd. No, he takes them and he molds them. Fishermen, tax collectors, the people that would have nothing to do with them, but Jesus chose them. Why? Because you will see that it's God at work and not these people. Why did God choose Saul, who became Paul? So we can see it's God at work and not Saul. A Pharisee, a Jew wouldn't go. I mean, if you ever see the story of Peter, where he's called to go to Cornelius' house, he's never been in a Gentile house. He's never been in a house other than a Jewish house. And he's like... God had to show him a vision four times before he went, saying, it's okay, it's, it's okay. And he's like, and, and eventually he, he, he does go in to that house. And he was just an ordinary fisherman. Imagine a Pharisee. Paul was a Pharisee, and God called him to take the message to the Gentile world. If you had to sit and say, who would be the last person on earth to, be a, to, to take the message, you would have picked Saul. And when Saul picks disciples, he sometimes does the same again, where you think, what does he see in these people? So we're going to look at one today. We looked at them last week, but we're going to look at them again. Um, uh, but before we get there, we're going to read from the Bible. So let me get some words up. So this is Acts chapter 15. Uh, it says this. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. So Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamph- Pamphylia. Pamphylia. Where is Andrew? Andrew, how do you say that? Pamphylia. That's what I said, yes. Um, And had not continued with them in in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement. I love how the Bible puts it. They had a real barney. You know what I mean? They threw the toys out the pram at each other. And they party company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and they left. Commended by the believers to to the grace of the Lord. I love that. They all went, let's just pray for them and send them away. You go that way. You go that way. Don't bump into each other. An upside down kingdom. Any of you watch watch this? I've got a foot. Mm. This is one of my favorite shows. Uh, it's called um, uh, A House Through Time. And it's a, the program is, uh, they, they look at a house, and they looked at a house in four different places. Liverpool was the series one. Then they went to... Bristol, and they've been to Newcastle, and then they finished up in that uh, lovely city. Oh, no, not that rough. Leeds. They went to Leeds. So, um, and, and they looked at this house, and they looked at the people who lived in the house through, through time, and it was fascinating to hear a story of, of her. Well, I want to do the same this morning, and look at a house that was built in Jerusalem, 
But before we get there, let me tell you about the couple who built that house. Okay, he, he, so they live, this couple live in, in, um, in North Africa, a place called Cyrene. Now, who do we know who comes from Cyrene? Simon, don't we, who helped carry the cross for Jesus. What else do we know? Because he had kids. Anyone remember? The, the, I know you, because we had that in the quiz. Anyone remember the, the, his two boys? Rufless, Ruf, Rufus and Alexander. And it's important that these names, you think, why? Because this is what kids do, don't they? If you have a teaching Sunday school, we go, why, Steve? Why have we got those names? Why does it matter? Because those names are mentioned again in the Bible in Romans. These are people who are around. People knew the children of Simon. They knew Rufus, and because the name is mentioned in the Bible. Anyway, uh, so, so, so that's one guy we know, but that's not the guy we're looking at today. This guy, so, so Cyrene is a, a Greek city that's now become Roman, and it's in the part of the world called uh, Libya. I've got a map here that will help, and I've got a little... Uh, Oh, there it is. Oh, what's the point of this up here? Look. <laughs> I'm doing the little one up here. <laughs> the one I can see. Uh, so there's Cyrene, okay? And, and this is where the couple's from. Wow, such a ninja. Look at that. Yeah. Um, so, so this couple, uh, well, the guy was called, let me see if I can get his name after the last attempt. Uh, he was called Aristobulus. Okay, Aristobulus. Uh, he, he was a Greek man who lived in this great city of Cyrene. And he fell in love with a Jewish girl who was called Miriam. And they, they married, they, they uh, lived in this place, life was going good, she fell pregnant, and she had a child. And he was called John, which was the most popular Jewish name, and Mark, which was the most popular Greek name. And so life was good. He he worked mainly with Romans. Uh, He worked at the sort of like the upper, um, the the more well-to-do sort of Romans. He made an absolute fortune. But as time goes on, the local people start to rise up um, and and cause trouble. So they move from the city and they move from, from Cyrene and they move over to a little place called Cana. Now, what do we know happened in Cana? A wedding. And this couple most likely would have been at that wedding. But this is probably about 10 years before the wedding. Little Mark would have been a toddler. Jesus would have just been in his 20s, that sort of age. And they move there, and they do ever so well for themselves. In fact, they do so well that they buy this house in Jerusalem, a very big house. And that's the house we're going to look at today. You see, in that house, lots of things happened in the early church. It says, one day, the disciples came to Jesus and said, where, where, shall, we, where shall we celebrate the Passover And Jesus says, well, I want you to go into the city and you'll see a man carrying a pot of water. Follow him, go into the house and ask the owner of the house if we can have the Passover meal there. Well, by this time, dad had died. And so Miriam is is now known as Miriam's house or her other name, Mary, 
is known as Mary's house. And it was there that they had the Passover meal. Jesus sat down with his disciples and he shared bread and wine. They talked, they chatted. And as all this is going on, this child who's now probably about 11, 12 years old is watching at a distance. It all unfolds before them. Mark is there watching Jesus and his disciples. And you know how we know this? Because it's in the Bible. We get a little hint a little bit later on. Because in Mark, there's a little detail in Mark that's not in any other gospel. It says that when they went to the garden to pray, someone was following at a short distance. And when they came to arrest Jesus, it says, one young man was grabbed by the outer garments and it said that he slipped out underneath the clothes and ran away naked. Anyone done the passion play this year? Did you do the passion play? Did you? Did they have that part in there where, where someone ran away naked through the streets? Of... No. Oh, next year, I'll, I'll speak to them. Uh, next year, Sarah, we'll, we'll get it in and we'll make sure we have that part in. Um, but that was Mark. He was there. He was part of that story. He saw that unfolding. In his house was the Last Supper. A week later, not a week later, a few days later, sorry, on the Sunday, they're all sat in the house. When some ladies from the house go to, they're going to anoint Jesus' body, give him a proper send-off. And as they're going down, they discover the stone is rolled away and there's no body. And where did they go running back to? That house. Why did they go back there? Because all the disciples were still there. And they came bursting through saying, we've seen him. We've seen him. We've seen Jesus. He's back from the dead. Mark would have seen all that. He would have been caught up in it. He would have been there when the disciples were going, I, I, we, we can't believe that. We can't. That's too difficult to believe. We, we hope he's coming back. But did it really happen? Then some more people come bursting in a few hours later who are on a walk to a mess. And they come bursting saying, We've met Jesus in that house. They're experienced these stories. When all of a sudden in that upper room, it says that Jesus appeared in the middle of his disciples. They all started freaking out going, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. Jesus is like, come on, guys. I wish he'd say, come on, guys, there's no such thing. But he didn't, did he? He went, no, no, no. Ghosts don't have bodies. See, you'd get this in Sunday school going, ghosts don't have bodies. Does that mean there's ghosts, Steve? That's what it's like. You guys need to catch up on these kids. Anyway, Jesus is like, come touch, come touch, come touch. Give me some fish to eat. And all this is happening. And I'm sure Mark is in that room. One guy isn't. He was called Thomas. He had to wait another week for Jesus to turn up in that house again, in that room again, to say, come on in, Thomas. Put your fingers where the hole is. Put your hand on my side. But it wasn't just that. There's loads of things happened in that, that, that house. Um, for instance, um, do you remember when Peter gets arrested? Peter gets arrested. He gets put in prison. Herod's going to kill him the next day. And then through the night, an angel arrives in a prison cell, which I love. If, you know what I mean? If you ever want to read into a story, this one's fascinating because... What was Peter doing in the prison cell? He's about to be executed the next day. And what's he doing? Sleeping. (laughs) 
Who sleeps? You know what I mean? If you're under that much pressure, that worried, but not Peter. Oh, God's got this. I just go to sleep. It says the angel struggled to wake him up. Had to kick him and shake him and slap him around. And he wakes up and he leads him through uh, the, the jail and he escapes. And where does he escape? Back to this house. And in this house, it says the church has gathered to pray. And he can't get in. There's, he's knocking at the door. The servant comes down. The servant girl open, oh, shouts, who is it? He's like, it's me, Peter, let me in. And she runs up and says, Peter's at the door. And they're like, oh. He must have died. It must be his spirit. And he's like, well, shall I let him in? <laughs> and he comes in and Peter's like, it's me. I got rescued. All happened in that house. The stories that happened there would have shaped that young man's life, Mark. So when his cousin, Barnabas, is going on an adventure with Saul, with Paul, he says, why don't you come? Could you imagine? Oh, you would want to, wouldn't you? you? You would want to go on the adventure. You'd be thinking, yes, I'll come. And they go to Cyprus, and, and they have a great time, and they go on from Cyprus. They hit a little bit of trouble. Mark's family are used to trouble. My dad is a, a policeman, and he retired a few years back. And he got a job after, in his retirement working for Range Rover. And I said, oh, what do you do for Range Rover? He went, I'm a security specialist. And I was like, ooh, get you. What is that? What do you do? He goes, well, I, I pick people up in, a, in the car, and I take them for a meal in Edinburgh, and then I drive them back again. I went, that's a chauffeur. He went, yeah, chauffeur doesn't get paid as much as me because I am a security specialist. I went, what makes you a security specialist? He goes, I know what to do when trouble comes. I went, like what? He says, someone pulls a gun or a knife, I know what to do. I went, I know what to do. If someone pulls a gun on you, you get as far away from the gun as possible. And it's the same with a knife. You don't tackle them. You don't look at it. You just get out of there. He went, exactly. But I've got training. <laughs> <laughs> Mark's had that experience in his life. When trouble came, remember in Cyrene, his family fled. When trouble comes on this adventure that they were having, Mark did the same. Rather than stay and deal with it, he fled. And this caused a bust up in a coming year or two between Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas wanted to encourage Mark, but Paul had no time for it. Paul had a mission, and he was prepared to do anything to accomplish that mission. And he couldn't see why taking Mark would help, because there was going to be trouble. And would he do what he'd done before and run rather than stand up to it? So he wasn't prepared to take a risk on Mark. Tradition tells us that at some point, Mark lost his faith. He gave up. I don't know if it was after this. I don't know if what went on. But it said he gave up. Until someone went and helped him. He was called Peter. And why was it important for Peter to go? Come on, be kids. Why? Why Peter? Why? Why him? 
because he knew what it was like to mess up and be restored. Remember, it was him who messed up with Jesus. I love the words when Jesus said to, you, when Jesus said to Mary, he says, I've come back to life again. Go tell my disciples and Peter. I'll meet them in Galilee. What was he saying? Go tell Peter. He's no longer in the club. Meet me in, in Galilee. And when he did, remember, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? And he got restored on that beach. And here, Peter, knowing what Jesus was like and trying to be like him, he took Mark under his wings and he restored him. Peter found him to be a great help. Mark had huge giftings. He was, one, very educated. Obviously, his, he comes from a very wealthy background and so could, could read and write. And a lot of the writing he wrote was Peter's words. We know from early church fathers that they had something called Peter's sermons all written down that was done by Mark. We have a bit of the New Testament written by Mark telling the story of Jesus. If he didn't get restored, we wouldn't have this wonderful book. And it is my favorite of the Gospels. Why? Because it's full of action. But the story doesn't end there. Peter wanted the world to know about Jesus. So he sent Mark on a very dangerous mission. He sent him here to a little place called Alexandria, right down here. He said, will you take the gospel there? And it says that he goes and he shares the gospel in Alexandria. People become Christians. And it's going ever so well. But because they're leaving other gods behind and giving up in them, the local people get upset and make threat against Mark. So Mark has to escape. But after a few years, he goes back. And that's when they catch him. And this, this boy who becomes a man of God does something amazing. He stands up and he tells everyone exactly who Jesus is. It says they bind his feet together and they tie him to a horse and they drag him through the streets of the town. He doesn't die the first night. They put him in prison. And in that cell, it says that Jesus turns up and encourages him. And the next day, they tie him again to the horse with his feet bound, and he dies. A young man that people gave up on was used to change this world. And the church in Alexandria grew and grew and grew, and it became this, the second biggest city of where Christianity was preached. All because of that man, Mark. But what do we learn from this? What, what does that mean to us? What's it saying to us? It says this. In time, life is good. But there is times when life isn't so good. There's times when we're full of faith and there's times when we give up on that. But there's always this image in my mind of Jesus. Jesus told a story about two boys. 
And he told this story about a father and two boys because he wanted to draw a picture of what God was like. And he says there's a, a son who goes off and wastes everything that his father gives him. But on returning, it says the father spots him, he runs to him, he wraps his arms around him, he kisses him, he redresses him, and he restores him back as a son. On those days when we mess up, on those days when our faith is weak, know that we have a God in heaven whose arms are open wide, just waiting for us to return, looking for us. Why? So he can wrap his arms around us where he can restore us back to the children that we are. The other thing that we can learn from Mark is this. Whatever God gives you, whatever gifts, talents you have, you can use them for the glory of God. Mark didn't need to work. He didn't need to go into danger. He was extremely well off. He could have lived the easy life but he chose rather to go in the adventure. You know, there's many adventures out there for us in, in faith. When I was a child, our sneaky youth pastor, I'm sure I've told you this eight million times, but he, he gave us all a piece of paper one day. And he says, I want you to, to go home. We just had, you remember in the old days, we used to have missionaries come and visit. We had one of them. Oh, it was painful. Oh, but she had slides. And you could see when she, when she started the slides how many there were. And we were like, no. And then she took the slide cartridges out and put another one in. We were like, we were praying for Jesus to return. Anyway, afterwards we had our youth group, youth meeting. And he gave us this little bit of paper. And he says, what a wonderful story we've just heard from this woman. He says, what I want you to do is take a piece of paper and I want you to pray, God, what do you want me to do with my gifts and talents? And he says, I want you to write it on a paper. Maybe God is calling you and go home and pray about it. Write down what God says and bring it in next week. Well, that next week, they're all there, all our youth group, big group. And he says, anyone got some bits of paper? And they're all taking it out and, goes, and they're all doing things like, I want, to be a, I want to be a doctor and go to Africa to change the world. I want, to, I, want to, I want to be a nurse and I want to care for those who don't care. One, one guy says, I want to work with children who are rejected by their parents. And he sat there thinking, wow, I had one. I had, I had mine like this. It was hidden and it was folded teeny in my little hand. And he went, Steve, have you got one? I went, oh, yeah. He went, what does it say? I went, no, 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 I don't want to talk about it. Come on, go, let me have a look. No, I don't want to talk about it. Go on, open your hand. No, I want to. And he took it and he opened it up. And when he, when he opened it up and saw it, this big smile came across his face. Because there, my little bit of paper I'd written, I feel God is calling me to work in England. <laughs> it can only be God. About six years ago, I was going back to my hometown, Livingston, and I put a message out on Facebook to say, I'm back home. Does anyone want to meet up for coffee? And all my old youth group, we had about 15 of us gathered in the Costa uh, shop in, in, in Livingston, and we shared stories and we talked. One of the things I found fascinating is none of them had given up their faith in God, but every one of them had given up their faith in church. And I asked that question. I said, I remember when we all got given these bits of paper. And I said, I can remember what some of you wrote. I said, did you become a doctor? 
Yes. Did you go to Africa? No. Did you become a nurse? Yes. Did you do anything to care? No. You have talents. You have resources. You have passion. But why keep it here when there's a world out there who needs to know about our God? You had dreams when you were little, but it doesn't stop there. I know of a couple from this church who in retirement went to Africa on an adventure to change the world. Don't give up. God calls you. If today you feel like you've given up on faith, I want you to have that picture of God with his arms open wide, wanting you to come home. If today God is speaking about what you should do, take a piece of paper, ask that question, write it down, and you never know, God may call you to change his world. He may even call someone here to go to Scotland. <laughs> Let us pray together. Father, we thank you for this character, Mark. I thank you that he turned this world upside down, that he gave his life for you so that many others would find life in you. And I pray, take us and use us for your kingdom. Use our passion, use our resources, use our talent, Father, for your glory. May we see many people find you. And Father, I pray for those today struggling with faith. May that picture of you with your arms open wide, waiting for them to return, may that stick in their, their heads and hearts. May that process start with just that one step towards you. So bless us now in your name. Amen.